MSW Media. Thanks to AG1 for supporting the show. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash dailybeans. That's drinkag1.com slash dailybeans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, November 9th, 2023. Today, incredible results for Democrats in elections across several states this week. The Biden campaign has penned a memo to the media asserting disparity in polling coverage. Hines County, Mississippi precincts faced ballot shortages on Election Day. A suspect is in custody in connection with the murder of a synagogue president, Samantha Wool. A former CIA officer has pled guilty to sexual abuse charges. And Biden wins his 150th federal judge appointment in the Senate. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, hey, happy day after Election Day. Happy day after Election Day, indeed, man. You all went out and voted and took a lot of people with you. You did. You voted blue over Q. You took everyone with you. And I thought we would do well, Mm -hmm. but we kicked ass. I mean, it was a big rebuke of MAGA, of all kinds of of people that are uh, anti-choice. Like it was it was beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, when Republicans can only take, you know, joy in the fact that they didn't get blown out in Mississippi, that's their bragging rights. Like, fuck off. We had a great night. Yeah. After nine precincts and an 83 percent, you know, black voter area ran out of ballots multiple times and they had to get yep. an emergency thing. to And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I just want to say real quick later in the in the show, I'm going to actually talk with the former chairman of the Democratic Party in Ohio. His name is David Pepper. You don't want to miss that. And of course, tomorrow is Fugelsang Friday. We'll have John Fugelsang on. But man, let's go over some of these high Highlights. You want to do these like lightning round, like the back and Let's forth? Let's do it. All right. I'm in. First up, Virginia Democrats held the Senate and flipped the state house in a huge rebuke of Glenn Youngkin. Oh, in Ohio. This made me so happy. Oh, happy. Oh, happy. Oh, is a word now. Ohio voted yes on issue one and issue two because they know they're going to have to be really high on <laughs> recreational marijuana to deal with J.D. Vance and Jim Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> and a- Andy Bashir crushed it in Kentucky in the governor's race, including flipping Letcher County, where Trump won by 60 points in 2020. And, you know, the last time Bashir was elected, he won by 0.4 percent. This time it was 5 percent. He crushed it. Amazing. And there was a lot of good things that happened last night. But this is one of my favorites. Exonerated Central Park Five member Yusuf Salam won his New York City Council seat. Go mm. fuck yourself, Donald Trump. That is a big fuck you to Donald. Mary Trump was very happy to see that result. So was I. Now, over in Iowa, Moms for Liberty candidates lost 12 of their 13 school board elections. And that's probably been updated since then. I think the total was 49 last night across the country of uh, Moms Demand Action beating Moms for Liberty in these school board and uh, city council races. It's up to 59 today. Just a blowout. So good. And in Westmoreland County, PA, the Dems swept all five school board seats. That's a 75% Republican county, Allison. That's that huge. 
bonkers. Also in Pennsylvania, the number of Pennsylvania absentee ballot vote returns for voters aged 18 to 35 doubled over the 2021 turnout. And Allison Spillman, who is the parent of an amazing trans child, defeated Meg Bryce. Who's Meg Bryce? That is Justice Scalia's daughter for a school board seat in Virginia. Whoop. Dems also flipped a Trump plus 35 statehouse seat in New Jersey. Weren't expecting to do that. And they made gains in both legislative chambers there. I love it. Dem mayor of Indianapolis, Joe Hogsett. He won re-election by 20 points. 20 points. <laughs> and in Forest Hills, Ohio, Democrats ousted the Moms for Liberty school board candidates there. Love it. Dems flipped tons of local races in Connecticut, including Danbury, Fairfield, Weathersfield, Newington, Old Lyme, Cromwell, Clinton, Brookfield, and Colchester County. <laughs> Good stuff. And probably more. That's probably not all of them. They also had uh, Democrats had a huge school board win, uh, multiple huge school board wins in Minnesota. So congrats there. And 49, 49 moms demand action candidates that we talked about. They won their city council and school board races across the United States. Yep. That's up to 59 as a recording of this show. And Bucks County, PA01, Bucks County. Democrats swept the Pendridge School District, ousting all the Moms for Liberty candidates. So good. And Democrats Sarah Inamorato was the first to be elected an Allegheny County executive. First woman there. And Danica Rome, our friend, yes. was elected Virginia's first openly trans state motherfucking senator. So this is just these, this is a small handful of highlights of all the wins that happened last night or well, last night, but for you two nights ago. I, I can't believe it. It's amazing. Well done, everybody. Good job. I'm so fucking excited. Thank you so much. I mean, this is, yeah, a huge turnout on a, what they would call a non-election year, even though you know that it was an election year because these were big. <laughs> these are big. We kept abortion legal in the state of Ohio. Enshrined and it. And enshrined it. And made sure in Virginia that Youngkin wasn't going to be able to sign shit because he wasn't going to go to his desk. It's, a, yeah. it's an amazing thing. And he also just announced he's not running for president. Womp womp. Oh, really? I can't imagine why. Because <laughs> yeah, you got your ass handed to you. Yeah, that is not going to get shit done in the next two. Fuck that guy so hard. Oh, I'm so this is so great. And on top of all that, Biden has nominated and has been confirmed his 150th lifetime federal judge to the bench. A uh, hundred of those 150 are women. So well done there. Also, some breaking news. This is uh, just right now breaking. U.S. forces have carried out airstrikes in eastern Syria. They've hit the uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps weapons depots. And we'll have more on that story as it develops. It's just coming out right now. So I want to tell you about it. And also, Ivanka testified today. And it was not a good day for the Trump organization. Pete and I are going to cover that on the next cleanup on All 45. And Jim Comer has subpoenaed Hunter and Jim Biden. And nobody cares. Um, I hope they sue and appeal to block these subpoenas and then we flip the house before it's resolved. That'd be fun. Uh, also, there's a Republican debate tonight. Blah, blah, whatever. Uh, it's a clown show. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I probably won't mention it tomorrow unless someone says something scarier or more hilarious than the same old shit. So, but yeah, there's a thing tonight. I'll probably watch to see what Maddo has to say about it. She's going to be on live after the debate. I want to see who did, um, what is the horrible DeSantis's makeup? That's who I want to see. So much makeup, so much heel lift, more than a drag queen. Yep. Yeah. That's all gender affirming care. All right. Thank you very much, everybody, for your incredible election results. Uh, I, I'm so proud of everyone. I'm so proud of all of us. We fucking did it. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. 
You were the only one who really had faith in the voters, Batman. Uh, I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> we're all ashamed, Batman. While we were ready to desert the ship, you never lost your courage. You brought us safely through. I, I never would have believed that the polls could be wrong. There have been other candidates who've trusted too much in the polls, Mayor Linseed, and they found out that it's the votes that count. Smart politicians trust the voters, not the polls. After all, if you can't trust the voters, whom can you trust? That's right. One in one Batmans agree. So let's talk about polling. This story is from The Hill. President Biden's re-election campaign sent a memo to news outlets Tuesday asserting that there's disparity in the way the media has been covering polling so far. Following the coverage of the latest set of polls that show Biden trailing former President Trump in a hypothetical 2024 rematch. The memo from the Biden-Harris 2024 communications director, Michael Tyler, was sent first exclusively to The Hill. Nice scoop, The Hill. It will be sent to political directors, editors, producers at major media outlets and television networks, according to the memo. Quote, despite the hair on fire, sky is falling tone we've seen from media coverage over the last few days, political predictions more than a year out tend to look a little different a year later. Gallup predicted an eight point loss for President Obama, only for him to win handedly a year later. A year out from the 2022 midterms, every major outlet similarly predicted a grim forecast for President Biden. That's from the memo. Tyler cited polling that showed Biden leading Trump or is tied with the former president from October 17th through November 6th, including polls from NPR, PBS Marist, Yahoo News, YouGov, USA Suffolk and Quinnipiac University, among others. Quote, in recent days, the New York Times Siena College poll has gotten nonstop attention to the exclusion of nearly every other poll. But if you zoom out, you'll see a more complete picture. There have been eight polls in the past three weeks showing President Biden leading or tied with Donald Trump. That's what Tyler said in the memo. Much of the polling coverage this week by major media outlets have picked apart the New York Times-Siena College poll published Sunday that proved dismal to Biden in a number of ways, including Trump leading Biden in five out of six critical battleground states that will likely determine the outcome of the 2024 election. The poll also found Biden losing support among young voters and black voters, two key demographics. Now, a CBS News poll released Sunday also found Trump leading Biden in a hypothetical matchup, 51 to 48. Now, Tyler in the memo highlighted that voters are supportive of Biden's accomplishments, such as capping the price of insulin, making investments in infrastructure and lowering the price of prescription drugs. And here's a quote. Another critical point being overlooked. No president has ever run for reelection with a record of accomplishment that is as popular as the one President Biden will be running on over the next year. Uh, the Hill says Biden is uh, consistently pulled badly when voters are asked about his handling of the economy with stubborn inflation easing very little over the last year. It's actually been halved, but OK, The Hill. Tyler claimed in the memo that media outlets are, quote, fretting over the same polls that have gotten it wrong time and time again and highlighted the campaign's paid media campaigns and outreach to Latino, black, young and women voters. Now, earlier Tuesday, White House press secretary, that's Corinne Jean-Pierre, also argued to reporters during the daily briefing that the latest set of polls should be treated with skepticism, pointing to recent examples of surveys failing to predict what would actually happen at the ballot box. Biden allies have been looking to mitigate the fallout over recent polling, working to tamp down Democratic anxieties. While some current and former Biden aides acknowledge the latest poll painted an unflattering picture, they dismissed the idea that the sky is falling on the president's chances. Keep in mind, this is before what happened on Tuesday night. Now, the latest memo is reminiscent of the one the White House sent to the media outlets in September, urging them to ramp up scrutiny of the House Republicans' impeachment inquiry into Biden. So there we go. 
All right, AG. Uh, I mean, we've seen it. They clickbait. They want it. They want to cause. They want to cause. They need. They need. They need people to read their articles. And so, mm-hmm. what, what better do that than to cause fear? So, um, hopefully, that this does something. But I, I, I'm not putting any beans on it. This is the mainstream media right now, and unfortunately, that's where we're at. Um, this one's from local ABC affiliate uh, WAPT 16 in Mississippi. We had talked about this. The work continued Wednesday in Hines County, the day after a ballot shortage led to long lines at polling locations. Election workers spent the morning counting absentee ballots after a l- very late night Tuesday, after a judge ruled that voting hours would be extended in Hines County after widespread ballot shortage. Well, Mississippi Democratic Chairman Rep. Shake Taylor said the party filed a lawsuit asking a judge to extend voting in Hines County until 8 p.m. The polls were scheduled to close at 7 statewide. While the Mississippi Republican Party filed a motion to intervene and an emergency appeal with the Mississippi Supreme Court in an effort to vacate Hines County Chancery Court Judge Dwayne Thomas's order to extend voting hours in the county until 8 p.m. Why would you do that if you believe everyone has a right to vote? Why? Oh, I don't know, because it's a predominantly black county. Mm-hmm. Now, state statute requires the county to have ballots to accommodate 60 percent of a precinct's voters. Hines County Election Commissioner said voter turnout has been so high that they have surpassed that percentage, forcing them to print more ballots and deliver them to the precincts that have run out. Now, they couldn't estimate how many precincts ran out of ballots because calls have been coming into Hines County Election Commission all day from poll managers asking for more ballots. District 2 Election Commissioner Ratoya McGee said there were enough ballots delivered for 70% of voters in each precinct. McGee said some poll managers didn't pull out all the ballots they were supplied before calling to ask for more, which is also sketchy. Now, voting lines were, were long. They were long all day at Wildwood Baptist Church in Clinton. The polling manager there said the voting side is a split precinct with two types of ballots for voters, and they ran out of one style of ballot. She said the election commissioner didn't print enough ballots. And Deborah Dixon, who was unopposed on the ballot as District 3 Hines County Supervisor, said she waited in line for more than an hour to get a ticket to vote at Timberland Elementary School. Now, Dixon said after voters were given a ticket, then they had to get into another line to wait to get a ballot to vote. She said it at about 6.45 p.m. that just a few minutes before, Election Commissioner Jamal Clark brought some additional ballots to try and remedy that situation. So we're going to keep an eye on the story. It all looks very sketchy mm-hmm. and um, not not surprising, to be honest with you. Yes, that's what we mean by systemic, my friends. Yes. This is from Emily Shapiro at ABC. There's a suspect now in custody in connection with the murder of a Detroit synagogue president. Her name is Samantha Wall. Wall was found stabbed to death outside of her home on October 21st. Detroit police said last month there was no evidence to point to the crime being motivated by anti-Semitism. Police did not release the suspect's name. Quote, the details of the investigation will remain confidential at this time to ensure the integrity of the important steps that remain. Okay. Though the arrest is an encouraging development in our desire to bring closure to Miss Wall's family, it does not represent the conclusion of our work in this case, he said. Now, Wall had a long career in politics. We've talked about her. She worked with several elected officials over the years. She recently served as the political director for Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel in her reelection campaign. And... Dana said, Sam was a kind person, as kind as I've ever known. She was driven by her sincere love of her community, state, and country. Sam truly used her faith and activism to create a better place for everyone. Now, Wool also worked as a deputy district director for Representative Alyssa Slotkin. She's the Democrat from Michigan. Quote, she did for our team uh, as deputy director what came so naturally to her, helping others and serving constituents. This is from Slotkin. 
Separately in politics and in the Jewish community, she dedicated her short life to building understanding across faiths, bringing light in the face of darkness, unquote. We'll keep an eye on this investigation for you as well. Thank you. And this is a very strong warning for this next story. I don't want to say that quickly and then just jump into it. The story is hard to hear. It's hard to read, but there is some justice to be served. This is a content warning for sexual assault. This is from the New York Times. A former CIA officer who worked at the American Embassy in Mexico City pleaded guilty on Tuesday to drugging and sexually assaulting more than two dozen women over a period of 14 years. This is from the Justice Department. Under an arrangement with prosecutors, the former officer Brian Jeffrey Raymond of La Mesa, California, pleaded guilty in U.S. District Court in Washington to four of the 25 criminal charges that he had faced, one count each for sexual abuse, abusive sexual conduct, coercion and enticement and transportation of obscene material. Now, in exchange for his plea, prosecutors agreed to drop the rest of the charges and recommend a sentence between 24 and 30 years with a lifetime supervised release. Sentencing is set for September 2024. Now, Mr. Raymond's crimes date far back as 2006 and as recently as 2020. It took place in multiple countries where he had been working for U.S. government. This is what the prosecutors told him. Mr. Raymond admitted to drugging and photographing or recording dozens of women while they were naked or partially naked at the government-provided housing in Mexico and at least one other country, which was unnamed in the court documents. Now, three of the criminal counts that he had faced were for crimes that had occurred in the Washington, D.C. area. That's according to the indictment. In total, Mr. Raymond abused 28 women over the 14-year period. This is a quote. Many of the recordings show Raymond touching and manipulating the victims' bodies, while they were unconscious or incapable of consent. This is from the Justice Department. They said that in a news release on Tuesday and went on to say Raymond attempted to delete the explicit photographs and videos depicting the victims after learning about the criminal investigation. Mr. Raymond's lawyer, Howard Bernard Katzoff, could not immediately be reached for comment on Tuesday evening. In a statement on Tuesday, the CIA said, CIA condemns in the strongest terms the crimes committed by former agency officer Brian Jeffrey Raymond, who was arrested in 2020. As this case shows, we are committed to engaging with law enforcement to ensure that justice is served. The agency added that it had taken significant steps to combat sexual assault among its ranks, including the establishment of an office focused on sexual assault and prevention. Now, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia also declined to comment on the story. Mr. Raymond's most recent assaults, according to prosecutors, they happened in 2019 and 2020 in Mexico City, where he had been living while on assignment as an American in American embassy, he raped six different women while in Mexico with each assault following the same pattern. That's according to the court documents. Mr. Raymond met the women through dating apps like Bumble or Tinder. He spoke to them in Spanish and presented himself as a high level embassy employee in whom the government had reposed special trust. That's according to agreed upon statement of facts filed in court on Tuesday. Now he drugged the women's drinks, led them back to his embassy, leased apartment where he was sexually assaulted and photographed them while they were unconscious, according to court records. And again, I'm sorry, I know this story is very hard to hear. Now, in some cases, the women regained consciousness as Mr. Raymond was assaulting them. The FBI said the State Department began investigating him in May of 2020 after the Mexican police responded to a call at Mr. Raymond's Mexico City apartment for a report of a naked, hysterical woman desperately screaming for help from the balcony. Thank God for people who actually pay attention to this shit. 
Now, the woman told the police that she had blacked out after drinking wine that Mr. Raymond had served her and did not remember having sex with him, though she had injuries indicating vaginal and anal penetration. This is from the prosecutors. Investigators said they discovered a trail of damning evidence on his electronic devices, including searches on his phones for passed out girl and multiple videos of passed out women in YouTube search history. On his laptop, investigators found searches for passed out, Ambien, and Ambien and alcohol on passed out, along with other similar queries. The authorities also recovered about 400 photos and videos of the victims on his iCloud drive, along with dozens of messages he had exchanged with the women. Now, the federal authorities arrested Raymond in San Diego in October 2020 and initially charged him with photographing a woman he met on Tinder in Virginia in 2017 while she was unconscious. That's what the original fucking charge was. Now, he was subsequently charged in connection with the additional victims in a superseding indictment in February of 2023. Thank God. Yeah, that's that's a hard one to hear. I just, it just infuriates me, you know, they talk about the grooming of children and throwing innocent people, drag queens, transgender people under the bus, in the bathrooms, all of the stuff. It's these guys that are in high ranking positions in government that are in the churches that are men of God, they're teachers. Another one in Florida, a teacher, elementary school. Yeah. I'm grateful there's people out there doing this work. And I'm again, I'm sorry that the story, we, we chose the story for a reason. It's important that you all know that these they're, they're being held accountable. The, the crimes are horrifying, but the son of a bitch is going to be going to jail for a very long time, I hope. Yeah, thank you for taking that story. I, uh, I couldn't read that one. Of course. But uh, we are now in uh, desperate need of good news. So if you have the good news, send it to us, dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. But before that, I'm going to have a very uplifting conversation uh, with the former head of the Democratic Party in Ohio. David Pepper. Uh, you may know him from his Substack Pepper, or I think it's Pepperspectives. Yeah, <laughs> Pepperspectives. Uh, and um, I hope I hope you enjoy that conversation. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. As you know, I used to be constantly stressed out. I didn't have energy. My digestion was causing me some serious issues. I tried everything. But what helped me the most was discovering AG1. Now I feel much better. My stomach problems are history. If you're a longtime listener, you know I've been drinking AG1 for a few years now. When I started drinking AG1 daily, I quickly noticed a vast improvement in how I felt day to day. I began to feel tangible differences in my overall health as well. My mornings became brighter. I had a newfound energy that accompanied me throughout the day. It's truly amazing stuff. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization. That was huge for me. Stress management, even supporting your immune system. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, always refining the formula based on science to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only have I replaced my multivitamin, many, many supplements with AG1, but it helps my peace of mind to know that every scoop gives me prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, all specifically tailored for gut support. It's been very helpful. I recommend AG1 to all my family and friends because it works. I constantly hear about how much more energy they have, how thankful they are. I turn them on to such an easy and simple habit to pick up. 
to make them feel better. It's it's just one scoop in a glass of water every morning. That's it. It's so easy. You can't beat it. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. That's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership over your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com slash dailybeans. That's drinkag1.com slash dailybeans. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I couldn't think of anyone I wanted to talk to more today than author, former chair of the Ohio Democratic Party, David Pepper. Hi, David. How are you today? I'm having a great day after a great night last night. So good to be with you again. It's good to see you, my friend. Yeah, huge night uh, for Democrats across the country. And I wanted to talk a little bit about my home state of Ohio and uh, how incredible the wins were for for Dems and for bodily autonomy uh, and for school boards, everything. Tell me tell me what the, the takeaways are today after what we saw last night in Ohio. You know, I think the takeaway is there's a there's a level at which government can attack basic freedom and rights and democracy and manage to offend and fire up not just Democrats, but actually Republicans, too, and independents. Ohio is enough, uh, uh, enough of a, you know, of a mixed state that leans Republican in a lot of ways is that when you lose like they've lost in August and again last night, it's not because they only had Democrats against them. We saw last night, and again, this issue one that was going to, the issue one, which which locks in reproductive freedom as an individual right now in Ohio, to not to be infringed on by the government, uh, it passed in some very conservative places. Um, Geauga County, very conservative. This isn't sort of suburbia. This is more like almost Tea Party libertarian voted a yes decisively. A lot of large suburban counties, the ring counties that often Republicans run up big numbers in, voted yes. Delaware County, which when I ran statewide, was the second biggest Republican county by how much they would gain a margin. Almost 60-40, yes. So it's it really is a powerful, I think, rebuke to how much, and this is, and it very much tracks August. People here are getting tired of seeing democracy subverted, and they see it. And they're getting tired of seeing a government that already looks corrupt, you know, not only trying to infringe on rights like an abortion ban, no exceptions that led to a 10 year old rape victim going to Indiana, but to defend their extreme policy, attack democracy itself as best they can to thwart majority will, which they did by this thing in August to raise the threshold. Then they rewrite the language of the ballot. So it looks bizarre. We saw through all of it entrounced it yesterday. So yeah, it's a really good day. Um, and I love that it's, again, it wasn't just one party doing it, although I, I don't care how we win, let's win. But when you see that it's more than just that, that's even, I think, more powerful a, a rebuke to what they've been doing here. Yeah, I mean, at least five really red counties um, went uh, yes on issue one. And there were a handful more that were extremely close that were, you know, very red counties. And yeah, I think that does speak to uh, Ohioans just not wanting their rights taken away. And you mentioned August. Let's talk about that sneaky August uh, election, uh, the one that Republicans, you know, they they wanted to not have those August specials because no one turned out to them. But then they wanted they had this one. They changed their own rules to have this one. And I think it's very important to notice that issue one 
passed by a huge margin, 57 percent. But that wouldn't have made the threshold that they wanted to change a requirement of 60 percent of the vote in order to amend the state constitution. And I think uh, I think that's getting past a lot of people today. But that August election was critical. It was. And and they knew that the that the polling was always around high 50s. And in a state like Ohio, like not not all states, but most states that are somewhat swinging, 60 percent these days in the very polarized world we're in is so hard. They knew that would basically kill almost anything uh, that had any contest to it. And obviously this issue does. So, yeah, this is an absolute shellacking. I mean, they lost in Butler County, Delaware County, those we talked about, but they but we still didn't get to 60. And that's how much that 60% thing was a true poison pill for democracy. That would have killed direct democracy in the state of Ohio. And that's what they want. I mean, that's what they clearly want. And and they know in states like Ohio that they are in unaccountable power because of gerrymandered state houses. The biggest threat to that unaccountable power is the people. The people don't agree. And so if they can get rid of our ability to go to the ballot like we did yesterday, they want to do that because that is, in the end, their biggest threat, more than anything else. And so, yeah, August was an end run, an illegal one. That was that was on a day that was actually illegal to have an election, believe it or not. That was their end run to try and not just kill this measure midstream, which it would have done, but also kill future measures where the people again and again, you know, we legalize marijuana as well, are saying to a state house, you're out of touch, you're gerrymandered, you're corrupt, you're not doing what we as a strong majority believe, we're going to do it ourselves. That's a threat to them. So they tried to kill in August, and my guess is in other states and here, they're going to keep trying to do that. One thing I always try and preach is celebrate for about a moment when you win, but the the, the closer these people get to losing power, it's like Donald Trump on January 6th, right? The closer they get to losing power, the more lawless they get, the more defiant they get, the more dishonest they'll get and worse, the more the more they'll abuse power. That's what you need to expect. And so I don't expect them to all of a sudden now say, oh, okay, the vote, they're already not saying this. The voters have spoken. We now respect the mandate that a woman has an individual right. They're already saying we're going to defy it. And we have to expect that. And the fight we are in is to overcome people who are willing to do that and will do it every single time. I want to ask you about that because your Speaker of the House is saying we're still going to fight this fight, the one that they just got clobbered on. Yeah. Talk about being toned out. Like, read the room, bro. The problem is their room is gerrymandered districts. They don't care. They did this. We passed constitutional amendments to end gerrymandering 70-30. They ignored them completely. They defied them. So we're talking about a group of people. And this is why I did a thing the other day, this Mike Johnson. He's the same type. These are people who've literally come to power. Their entire rise to power has been through gerrymandered districts, where they often have no opposition at all. Mike Johnson didn't have an opponent until he was in Congress. His state house runs were unopposed. So their entire worldview is actually not democracy. They haven't been part of it. So everything they do that we think is so strange, and and like you said, read the room, the room they've all been sitting in their whole careers has been not a room of democracy. It's been they get to be in power without the people mattering. And so that's what, until we fix some of these deeper issues of gerrymandering, voter suppression and all that, that's the kind of politician that that we're going to be dealing with. 
We have to run against them all, and we have to be committed, so committed. And we're going to do this in a while. Next year, one year from now, my hope is we are celebrating that we ended gerrymandering here by putting a citizen-led commission in place. That, in the end, is the only way you're going to change their instinct, which is to be lawless and to defy majority will. But yeah, right now, that's exactly what they're planning. And they don't even pretend to hide it because back in their districts, they don't think it matters what they say. They get to stay in power no matter what. Yeah. I mean, we saw it worked in Michigan. We're seeing it now in Wisconsin. You know, all these uh, incredible, you know, Mark Elias and his team getting these maps thrown out that were SCOTUS allowed to be used in 2022. It'll probably happen in New York, all kinds of places. Um, But yeah, even Rick Santorum admitted on Fox last night This is why he said this is why pure democracy is dangerous, because what? Because the ideas of the people win the day like your shitty candidates and your shitty ideas don't win when democracy happens. Is that is that your actual complaint, Mr. Santorum? I mean, he he, literally quiet part out loud. Well, the whole point of my books has been to say that that's what they're about. They literally we we on the left and I don't know. It's not just left like mainstream America. We think it's about elections. You say what you're for, you're confident the majority will agree with you. You say what you're for, you go win, and then you get to do what you say. The far right, actually, that's not their game, folks. That's not their battle. They know that their viewpoints are unpopular. They know it. Mitch McConnell knows it. The Koch brothers know it. They're not trying to get elected on what they're for because that's a loser for them. Their goal, Rich, as you said, Santorum sort of acknowledged it, subvert democracy enough to lock in unpopular views over a long time. That's why they gerrymander. That's why they tried issue one in August. It's an admission. We can't win on our ideas. They're unpopular. So we have to subvert democracy enough so that we win even when we lose. That's literally what their goal is. And so, of course, direct democracy, fair districts, 50% plus one rules, scare the hell out of them because they know they're somewhere in the low 40s or lower on most issues that they that they advocate. Yeah. And something else that uh, was pretty incredible, not just uh, in Ohio, but across the country in these elections, the school boards, uh, the oh, rebuke yeah. of, of the of the Christo fascist and Christian nationalist school board takeover. You know, last week I had a gentleman on named Dallas McLaughlin, who is working on a recall here in Temecula Valley in California. We're seeing it in Glendale. We're seeing it in Los Angeles, where people asleep at the wheel uh, and they're just taking over these school boards. Huge rebuke of that in Ohio. Talk about that. Yeah, I'm still getting all the numbers, but I I did this little thing the other day in my own community because the sneak attack here is they know their book banning and extremism is not what people want in their schools. So their new strategy is organized really well, but for the most part, try just try and get people to not pay attention and you vote for people who had nice looking yard signs. So the good news is you can figure it out pretty quickly if you do a little research who Moms for Liberty and these other, we had one of how called values voters supported, and so I did a little experiment. I picked a neighborhood near me and I walked and took a picture of the yard signs. In five minutes, you could see, oh my God, this person was a January 6th. This person's a total book banner. And here's the great news. All across Ohio, people do that research. And the one area I, did, I looked at, one of the best school systems in Ohio, the two bombs of liberty people destroyed. It was three to one, absolute blowout, very high turnout in that community. I think driven by that, and I'm uh, someone who's done this work across Ohio is is saying that I think now I don't want them to win anywhere, so any loss is painful for that community. But I think somewhere north of seventy percent of them lost yesterday, so they did win in some places. I feel for any community to get some of these folks on their boards, 
But this day and age, when you're winning 70% more, when they're the ones who are more organized, our candidates are often just, you know, local people who want to do a good job. They don't have the money. They don't have the political operation. So when they're winning 70% of the time, that's also clearly something happening. People do not want this extremism in their state level, and they clearly don't want it anywhere near their local schools. So I'm going to send out more information on that. But And, and the lesson, though, is we've got to build stronger here. We can't, we can't say to people, yes, do your own research, but we've got to have more of an apparatus that so we don't only win 70%, but we we really keep it very minimal whenever these people go to these school boards. Because anywhere they win, they will well, they will turn things upside down, I'm afraid to say. 100%. So without abortion on the ballot in 2024 in Ohio, what is what is the message? And this is going to be true, not just for Ohio, but everywhere. What it, What is the message for Democrats in 2024? I think we see where the people are on some of these key issues. Um, you know, this we we had a legalization of marijuana on the ballot as well. It passed similarly. And we saw a vote that was sort of a straight up or down democracy vote in August. And I think the candidates running, you know, we've had this bizarre week where like that New York Times poll made it look like Trump's going to get reelected. Then we absolutely destroy Republicans in Virginia, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Kentucky. Maine, Supreme Court race. Andy Bashir, I literally am looking at Kentucky from a great public servant, <laughs> wins without apology for being pro-choice and other things he's done. I think it's sort of, you know, if our brand is broken in a way that sometimes in national polls it looks bad, uh, don't don't run around and panic, but do look at it and think our issues, like I said, their extremism is not where the people are. Our issues are mainstream. And make sure that how we run, people see that. Uh, people see that that we're the ones who supported your freedom, whether it was democracy itself or whether it was uh, legalization, whether or not it was uh, reproductive freedom. And to somehow make sure, especially in tougher states, that we're translating that better through our candidates, whether or not it's on the ballot. Uh, because I think it's pretty clear, you know, this isn't just last night. We have a winning streak going back to Kansas last August. In a very year, and I was a candidate in 10 and 14, so I lived this painfully. This is the year, This is the these are the cycles that we're supposed to be losing everything because we have the White House. We won in Kansas last August. We flipped state houses in Michigan, Pennsylvania last November. Every election denier running for Secretary of State in a swing state lost last November, got yeah. trounced. We win Wisconsin in April. We now saw last night. We got a winning streak going. And so my main advice is don't let the federal election distract us from the state level advocacy that's the ground floor of building to these wins. So go into next year, make sure the people see where we are and issues they value, and don't lose sight of the fact that most of these wins in, in states that we're talking about were bottom up led. State house races, grassroots people getting signatures, you know, school board races. That bottom up makes us much stronger than than if all we do is focus at the highest level on down and then we end up not running in half these places. So there's a lot of lessons to learn about messaging and a lot of lessons to learn about organizing. There, the reasons that we have this winning streak going need to continue going to next year and and build on it and don't get ourselves into where we often go in the past, which is all of a sudden we only care about a few swing states and a few federal races and we forget about everything else. That hasn't worked. And what's working, we just need to keep rolling and making it even bigger and scaling it up going to next year. 
Yeah, I agree. And yeah, it's it's just like trickle down economics. That's, you know, you, you need a bottom up, middle Absolutely. out, uh, as President Biden says, all politics are local politics. And I think that that's where we focus our energy. It'll trickle up in the right ways. So thank you so much. Can you tell everybody where to find you, where to follow you? Tell them about Pet Perspectives sure. uh, because your information is so valuable. If you really like everything I've said, I've written these books that walk through a lot of it, Saving Democracy and um, Laboratories of Autocracy, which is when we first met. I'm on Twitter. I'm quite noisy on Twitter. So but I'd love it if you follow me at David Pepper. But the, the place I'm really getting a lot of this stuff through these days versus getting caught up in Twitter algorithms uh, but I'm not leaving Twitter, but you just don't see everything. If you want to hear more on this, at I have a thing called Pet Perspectives at Substack. It's free unless you're taking my voting rights class. Uh, almost everything I do is just free. And so just look up David Pepper at Substack and you'll find it. And it's a way to get a lot of this sort of day-to-day democracy. And I don't just focus on Ohio. I try and Ohio is often a, a bellwether, unfortunately, for right. attacks on democracy. But my goal is to really keep talking about this nationally. And so whether I'm in Florida, Iowa, Oklahoma, I'll be in California this week, you know, I'm trying to trying to get people to really focus in on these state level battles for democracy, which if we win those is how we really win the long term battle for democracy. Well, David, thank you so much for your work. Congratulations. And uh, I hope to uh, be speaking to you again across and over 2024 with the same kind of results. Awesome. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks for doing all you're doing. Thank you. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And boy, do we need it today. If you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play what the... You want to tell me... Whatever animal you have, I'll just guess what kind of animal it is. And <laughs> that seems like a much easier game, Dana. I, <laughs> I think so, too. What if we got something wrong? But I can imagine. <laughs> now but people can, are going to try to stump us with like capybaras like, and oxalotls and shit. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. <laughs> um, if you want to tell us a story about the elections where you are, what happened on Tuesday where you live, those good news stories, we want to hear those. Will be stories, shout outs to local businesses. Um, shout outs to people you love, family, friends, your small business, whatever you're doing, uh, anything, anything at all you want to send to us, please do so at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up from Kirsten in PA1, pronoun she and her. Is it PA01, PA01, PA1? How do you guys say it? I'm, I'm interested. Hey, Leguminati, Kirsten says, I had to send over an update from the swingiest county in the country, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. We brought you up at the beginning of the show, Kirsten. Uh, After an incredibly hard fought election season, the results are in. Dems won the county commissioner's majority, which is key as that determines who controls the board of election management. Since Trump filed several lawsuits in our county after the 2020 election, we could not afford to have MAGA folks in charge for 2024. So we're excited to have turned back that threat. Also, Dems sweep the Central Buck School Board was one of the areas that had been taken over by Moms for Liberty in 2021 and had done stuff like ban pride flags and ban books and make life miserable for LGBTQ plus kids. They got handed their hats. Also, Dems swept the Penridge School Board seats. That's what I was talking about earlier. That's where Hillsdale College affiliated company Vermilion Education was contracted to whitewash the curriculum at the behest of M4L, Moms for Liberty board members. Pretty sure that Vermilion 
whose owner told Moms for Liberty he was the fox in the hen house, is going to get the heave-ho in December. We also ensured that Moms for Liberty candidates did not take the majority in several other school boards, and the county row offices were swept by Dems. It's a good day here. The massive thanks are due to the thousands of folks who turned out to help Sanity regain control here in our community. Thanks for all you do, AG and DG. Look at this picture. That's fantastic. That is joy and happiness right there. That's democracy working. Hell yes. Congratulations, Bucks County. Congratulations everywhere are in order. Got it. All right. It's from Nancy, pronounced she and her. Hello, Leguminati. Love listening to the pod. Gives me hope. I'm from Virginia and was at the polls on Tuesday handing out sample ballots for the winning message. Just wanted to say that Henrico County is pronounced Henrico, which we learned yesterday as well. Attaches a picture of my neighbor's adorable English Bulldogs, Boomer, is the larger one, and Wheezy. I love them. I'm Great giving, names. I'm giving the butt massage. Oh, my God. This is so cute. I, Boomer. Bulldogs are also the cutest freaking puppies Wheezy. on the planet. Oh, a please. They're so adorable. But Boomer and Wheezy are fantastic so names. Look at Wheezy. She's so beautiful. Aww. What a... What a beautiful little face they both have. Thank you for that. Next up from Anonymous, pronoun she and her. Hi, ladies. I'm ready to let you know about the get out the vote postcard that I received. Oh, that I received. I think the writer may be a Beans listener. I live in the Deep Creek section of Chesapeake, Virginia. The card was written with many different pens of different colors and looked amazing. The writer signed off by saying, bring five people with you. I voted a straight blue ticket today at the Chesapeake Central Library. I'm a goober who didn't snap a picture of the postcard to show it to you. To you. So instead, here's Clancy the cat and Rocky the dog. That's me under the dog. I'm <laughs> sure you'll have no trouble seeing that he is a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. By the way, I'm pretty sure that's the kind of dog that Pete Strzok has, my anonymous oh, friend. No. Love to all. Look at the sweetness. I just want to appreciate the faith you have in us. I am sure you'll have no problem saying that this is <laughs> the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. You are correct. That would have been my first guess. <laughs> Only because I see Pete's every other week. I, I, I've had probably maybe like a 60% chance of getting it right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You're like, I see one every day and I'm still at 60%. Okay. <laughs> Sherry, this is from Sherry, pronoun she and her. Hi, Beans Queens. Here's my cat me if you can. I sent a good news a while ago, so I've added a picture of my tripod Bucky to remind you. Here's my captain. He's the dictionary under Frady Cat, <laughs> but it's also a super cat protecting us when random cats come to the back door. He's not so good at hiding. Oh my God. Look at his face. <laughs> my cats hide like that too they're like you can't yeah. see me and the whole ass is hanging out of this yep. whatever it is how adorable beautiful babies thank you, you want to take this next one too it's pretty short i mean sure but you're gonna to have to guess this okay. is from kevin this is from kevin pronouns he and they what the hell is in that shell a few clues to help you id my girl mallory she's 18 years old will never grow bigger than your palm. Her native habitat includes Ontario, Quebec, and eastern United States. When threatened, she can release a nasty smell that her species is famous for. <gasps> the stinky ones are the musk turtles. I know this, oh, right? I think I so. I to totally. Stinky turtles. Let's see. Let's see. Common musk turtle. Beep, beep. Look at eastern you. musk turtle. I am two for two in what the hell is in that shell. Atta ooh, girl. Ooh. Stink pot turtle or sternothrus. Odoratus, if you fancy. If you fancy. <laughs> <laughs> thank Kevin, you, Kevin. Thank you. Stinky turtle. <laughs> All right. Next up from Eva, pronoun she and her or Eva. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that uh, incorrectly. 
Hi, AG and Dana. A few weeks ago, you had someone on from Blue Wave Postcards. I've been writing letters and sending postcards with other organizations for years, so I thought I would try Blue Wave. I ordered 100 postcards. I didn't realize this, but the postcards are pre-printed with the message they want to communicate. Plus, they provide pre-printed address labels. Holy smokes. This is a game changer for me. All I had to do was affix the address labels and stamps, which I bought myself, write a couple of encouraging words to vote, and sign my first name. I completed 100 postcards in just under an hour. I will be writing with them again and again. Everybody, that's Blue Wave Postcards. My question. A while ago, you had someone on your show who works to register folks to vote who have difficulty registering due to issues with identification, etc. I don't remember enough to say more, but I do remember she wrote a little pink book. Ah, yes, yes, yes. This is the voter ID. Ugh, the voter ID book. Uh, lady, I, Cat Calvin. That's it. Look Kat at you. Well Calvin. done. I was just waiting yes. patiently. The little pink book, Cat Calvin. Um, American Identity Crisis, I think is the name of the book. No pod bet tax today. We have three cats, but it's impossible to get them all in the same photo. <laughs> I know your pain. I could comb through the hundreds and hundreds of photos I have of each of them, but instead I've attached a photo of Lake Tahoe and Sand Harbor <laughs> from the Nevada side. Lake Tahoe is my sole place. And a couple of very amateur shots of the eclipse taken in, uh-oh, Winnemucca, Nevada, oh. which we traveled to from Santa Cruz because it was the closest place for us uh, for full annularity. Thanks for all you do, both of you. Oh, very cool pictures. Oh, Lake Tahoe is beautiful, isn't it? It really is. Oh, it's there. Eclipse. The answer, Cat Calvin. Oh. American nice job, AG. In crisis, notes from an accidental activist. Yeah. Yeah, she's truly amazing. So check out her book, a uh, little pink book. It's called American Identity in Crisis, Notes from an Accidental Activist. Okay, thank you all so much for sending in your good news. I really needed that today. I know Dana did too. Did. But we did get such incredible good news from these elections. I'm going to be riding this high for a while. So I appreciate all of you and all of the work that I know you all put in to make this happen. We fucking did this, y'all. We did this. So congratulations. And we're going to do it again next November. Oh, we're going to do it again every time we have an election is what we're going to do. But yeah, um, this is a okay. lot of momentum for us over the last year. So congrats. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here today, my friend? Honestly, I don't. I'm still if you get the vaccines and you get them together, just be prepared. I cannot lift my left arm. <laughs> like it's been a it's been a comedy of errors today, but also it just sort of wiped me out. Um, um, but I'm grateful I did it. I'm grateful for science and I know I'm going to be more protected going into the winter months. So uh, those are my final thoughts. Just take care of yourself. Get vaccinated. It's worth it. Yep. And all your uh, upcoming HRC galas and, and campaigns to raise a bunch of money for really incredible causes because you are a beautiful person, my friend. I love Thank you. Thank you. I love you too. Everybody, I love you also. We'll be back in your ears tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Take care of your family. You voted blue over Q. And you took everyone with you. Thank you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. And the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>